Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Voting on Puerto Rico's proposed plan of adjustment extended by two weeks. Digicel Guyana owes government $1 billion in fees. Biden awards U.S. Virgin Islands $5.6 million to combat the impact of climate change. And 14th annual St. Lucia-Taiwan Partnership Trade Show set to launch. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Wednesday, September 29th. We start our report today in Puerto Rico. The bond buyer reports that Puerto Rico bankruptcy judge Laura Taylor Swain extended the deadline for voting on the proposed Puerto Rico plan of adjustment by two weeks after several parties saw delays in receiving the ballots. Swain filed the order granting the request extension on Monday afternoon in the U.S. District Court of Puerto Rico, which is hearing the bankruptcy. Swain moved a deadline for submitting votes to 5 p.m. Atlantic Standard Time, October 15th, from 5 p.m. Atlantic Standard Time on October 4th. Voters from all classes, bondholders, other creditors, pensioners, and government workers entitled to pensions are affected by the deadline extension. Swain also extended the deadline for the tabulation of the votes to November 3rd from October 25th. She left unchanged the start of the planned confirmation hearing, which is scheduled for November 8th. On September 23rd, the official committee or retired employee filed a motion requesting Swain to postpone the deadline by two weeks. In the next few days, the unsecured creditor committee and bondholder Peter Hine filed similar motions. The retirees and the USCC and many of their members had not received the solicitation package that included information about the plan of adjustment and how to vote. Hines said he received a package, but it was incomplete. In her ruling, Swain rejected other requests made by Hine and his petition concerning the solicitation package without prejudice. This means she will allow him to reintroduce those claims separately. On Monday, the Puerto Rico Oversight Board announced concessions to win local government support for a debt deal, but the president of the Puerto Rico Senate said said he wanted more. The board wants the local government to pass legislation associated with the plan of adjustment or possibly a modified plan of adjustment. The plan of adjustment covers $33 billion of bonds and other debts, excluding its coverage of pensions. It covers general obligations, public building authority, employees' retirement system, highways, and transportation authority, public finance corp, Puerto Rico Infrastructure Finance Authority, Convention Center District Authority, and Metropolitan Bus Authority bonds. If the plans were to be adopted, the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico's central government would be left with a $7 billion debt excluding the Puerto Rico Sales Tax Financing Corp. COFIN debt. As a part of the plan, there would be an $8.75 billion cash payout to creditors. Of this, about $7.77 billion would go to bondholders. 
Crider News reports that U-Mobile, which trades as Digicel, has recently come under scrutiny with the government of Guyana, as rapid moves are being made to maximize the benefits of a liberalized telecommunications sector. Documents seen by Crider News confirm that within weeks of liberalization, the Irish company headed by Dennis O'Brien occupied spectrum without being issued with the requisite frequency authorization. Such use of spectrum would hinder and restrain the ability of other licensed entrants to utilize their duly authorized spectrum fully. The issue has since been escalated with the recent discovery that the company has again started to occupy additional spectrum without the requisite authorizations, even before the government of Guyana could review the new frequency ban. This unauthorized use of spectrum is not the first time Digicel has been accused of bypassing the legal process. In March 2017, Guyana Telephone and Telegraph Company, GTT, alleged that Digicel was facilitating an illegal unlicensed transborder link between Guyana and Suriname, an operation which Digicel has acknowledged on several occasions and which amounted to remarkable arrogance and dis disregard for rule of law in Guyana according to GTT. In 2017, GTT claimed that Digicel has never provided any specific information in relation to this illegal bypass activity, which it believed deprived the nation's coffers of billions of dollars in tax payments. Today, Digicel has not made public whether it made any payments of tax assessments alleged by GTT. Similar to the present case, GTT expressed its frustration that Digicel avoided any responsibility for its illegal activities, but instead made excuses or launched new and unfounded claims that are meant to distract the public and the media. Moreover, the operation of the bypass also entailed the use of valuable spectrum by Digicel, which GTT had claimed was simply taken as its own without payment. The company believed that Guyanese had a right to know whether the spectrum has, in fact, been stolen by Digicel. Further revelations have also indicated that Digicel had not paid its license fees for at least five years, an amount estimated to surpass $1 billion. The telecommunications agency has recently billed Digicel for these outstanding fees, requesting that they be paid within 30 days. On the 5th of October 2020, the telecommunications sector in Guyana was liberalized when the Telecommunications Act Number no. 18 of 2016, the Public Utilities Commission Act Number no. 19 of 2016, were made effective. The orders, which occurred within two months of the government assuming office, ended a 30-year anti-competitive telecommunications monopoly that had left the local sector underdeveloped compared to the rest of the region. 
The Virgin Islands Free Press reports that the U.S. Virgin Islands is poised to receive just over 5.6 million of the 3 billion recently approved by U.S. President Biden to increase the nation's resilience to the impact of climate change. This significant investment has been made available for natural hazard mitigation measures across all 59 major disaster declarations issued due to the COVID-19 global pandemic. To confront the growing climate change crisis, FEMA's Hazard Mitigation Grant will provide funding for mitigation projects to every state, tribe, and territory that received a major disaster declaration in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. The U.S. Virgin Islands total amounts to 5.6 million was based on a 4% calculation of the estimated total amount of FEMA public assistance awarded as of June 1, 2021. FEMA continues to support the U.S. Virgin Islands as they build a more resilient infrastructure during the COVID-19 pandemic, said Mark Walters, coordinator of FEMA's U.S. Virgin Islands Caribbean Area Office. This funding will provide the prioritization of mitigation needs in both Virgin Islands districts. The Territory's Hazard Mitigation Grant will review submitted proposals and approve projects designed to reduce the risk associated with climate change, address residential vulnerabilities, help utilities and other critical facilities adapt to changing weather conditions, and undertake other infrastructure protection measures. This critical funding will booster the territory's effort to rebuild resiliency by constructing structures, developing infrastructure projects, and supporting community initiatives that will ensure our systems are able to withstand any disaster event, said Adrian Williams-Octoline, director of the U.S. Virgin Islands Office of Disaster Recovery. Eligible applicants for the funding are government agencies and private nonprofit entities with a 501c3 designation. St. Lucia's Business Online reports that St. Lucia's Ministry of Commerce, Manufacturing, Business Development, Cooperatives and Consumer Affairs, in partnership with the Embassy of the Republic of China, Taiwan, is gearing up to host the 14th annual St. Lucia Taiwan Partnership Trade Show. Propelling business development through technology is the theme for the 14th annual St. Lucia Taiwan Partnership Trade Show, scheduled for November 26 to 27, 2021. Minister for Commerce, Manufacturing, Business Development, Cooperatives, and Consumer Affairs. The Honorable Emma Hippolyte, alongside her team for the Commerce Ministry, met with Taiwanese Ambassador H.E. Peter Chen and his delegation to advance planning efforts for this year's trade show. The trade show aims to heighten awareness of ICT business solutions while showcasing unique products and services of Taiwanese 
Taiwanese and St. Lucia micro, small, and medium enterprises to local and international audiences. The Honorable Hippolyte noted that the Ministry of Commerce will assist the St. Lucian businesses to improve the standard and quality of their products and services to be export ready and build their competitiveness. The partnership here is to get some support from Taiwan, be it that we trade, be it that we can see some great distribution or goods from Taiwan and the Caribbean. And we are also seeking to get some manufacturing tools, some machinery to improve our process here in St. Lucia to have more efficient products similar to what we see coming out of Taiwan. Ambassador Chen believes that the focus on ICT and virtual platforms at the trade show will attract greater interest in Taiwan and other international jurisdictions. A memorandum of understanding will also be signed at the trade show between the Taiwan External Trade Development Council and the St. Lucia Chamber of Commerce, Industry and Agriculture. The Commerce Minister is optimistic that this MOU will bear much fruit. We're hoping that by signing the MOU, members of the two bodies would have an opportunity to start doing business-to-business -business arrangements with their counterparts in Taiwan. The 14th Annual St. Lucia-Taiwan Partnership Trade Show will feature 14 Taiwanese companies, 12 St. Lucian businesses, the American Chamber of Commerce in Barbados, and the Digi Government Project from St. Lucia. BVINews.com reports that the government of the British Virgin Islands will be rolling out its digital database of persons who have been vaccinated in the British territory. Chief Medical Officer Dr. Ronald Georges said the database will be ready by next week. This database will be internationally recognized to meet the strict proof of vaccination requirements of other countries. Vaccination cards, like those issued in the BVI, have been found to be adequate for the international community, since unscrupulous persons can easily create counterfeit copies of them. The BVI's official vaccination database would mitigate against this issue. We've been working very closely with the Department of IT, and they have created an application. This will be web-based, where persons can go in put in their information, and then on the back end, we would verify. Once it's been verified, they will automatically get their vaccination verification letter emailed to them, Dr. Georges explained. He said a unique QR code will be automatically generated on each letter. So anyone who gets that letter can either scan the QR code or if they've uploaded the PDF, they can just click on the link and they can go straight back to the government's website and verify that this person is indeed vaccinated, the chief medical officer further explained. Meanwhile, the information that persons will be required to upload to get their QR code verification letter includes front and back copies of the physical vaccination cards they were given when they got vaccinated, 
a form of ID, among other things. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Wednesday, September 29th. I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and follow us on Facebook.